You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the September 7th, Thursday reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Lake George Dam Removal Project, Underway, written by Marianne Magan. Braver Angels Steps into Conflict in Teller County and Ute Pass, written by Pat Hill. Visiting Victor's Troll Includes a Short Scenic Hike, written by Seth Boster. Mike Sell Expresses Frustration Over Deputy Salaries, written by Pat Hill. Gateway's New Sidewalk Has Interesting Backstory, written by Doug Fitzgerald. And following up with miscellaneous articles. The first article is entitled Lake George Dam Removal Project Underway, written by Marianne Magan. Work has begun to remove the 11-mile dam spillway. The dam, not to be confused with the 11-mile dam nine miles upstream, is a barrier to aquatic species passage and has created extensive sedimentation impacting river function and fish habitat. Removal of the structure will not change the amount of water flowing out of the canyon. Flows are managed at the 11-mile reservoir dam. Jane Mannon, Outreach and Development for the Coalition for the Upper South Platte, said, The water that flows over the dam now will fill through the restored river channel at the same rate. The amount of water entering the river does not change. Lake George will not change. When the project is completed, the ecosystem and the river flow will be better and will provide a welcoming and safe recreational area. Cattails, which are not a native species, have invaded the area and will be removed to allow the planting of more willows, which are more conductive to the ecosystem. Crews have been methodically removing the buildup of sediment and have constructed a temporary channel for the waters to flow past the dam spillway. This will allow the removal, the structure, without disrupting the fish, who will simply follow the new flow. Releases of water from the 11-mile dam will be managed to ensure adequate flows for the water users, but minimize river flows for demolition and construction to proceed. It's a complex process, but every effort is being made to protect the current animal species and habitat. They even waited until the resident eagles had fledged before beginning the noisier aspects of the project. The actual removal of the dam spillway will be done carefully with jackhammers. No blasting will be done. Once the dam structure and sediment in the river channel are removed, the contractor will use native boulders to create features such as rifle pool complexes, rock clusters, habitat boulders, and tree structures designed to ensure functionality and sustainability. 
While building these features, attention will be paid to creating ha additional habitat features inside the channel, extending into the adjacent floodplain. This activity will ensure that fish. This activity will ensure that fish passage can occur at different flows, and enhance the immediate holding habitat for trout. Most heavy construction activity will be completed by the end of 2023. Revegetation and erosion control work will be dependent on spring weather and monitored for sustainability. Water quality will be monitored to ensure compliance with all standards. In the spring of 2024, improvements to the parking area, relocation of the outhouse facility to be closer to the parking area, a hard surface accessible trail to the site, and natural benches for fishing or just enjoying the area. There will also be handicap accessible trails and fishing areas. Revegetation on areas impacted by construction will be accomplished. With native species, CUSP has assumed the role of project manager. The dam spillway was initially constructed in the 1950s by Colorado Springs Utilities as part of their water supply system. System upgrades in the 1990s made this diversion location obsolete, and it was abandoned. The landowner, USDA Forest Service, and Springs Utilities. Have been discussing what to do about the dam structure ever since. The next article is entitled "Braver Angels: Steps into Conflict in Teller County and Ute Pass," written by Pat Hill. Editor's note: The original version of this story contained an inaccurate assertion by the author towards the incumbent school board members. It has been removed. Curious about Braver Angels? Seventy area residents showed up last week to hear about national nonprofit organization founded after the 2016 election. This meeting is for community members who are tired of unproductive divisiveness," said Holly Sample, who, with Billy Donegan, Carrie Devolk, Suzanne Wilson Miller, Becky Darrow, and Gail Garrig, organized the event August 29. At the Woodland Park Library, the idea behind the organization is not to change people's minds about politics, religion, or school boards, for example, for instance, but rather to come to an understanding of the other. At the local level, Braver Angels is intended to foster new ways of communicating. I am dismayed at the lack of communication and the inability to recognize facts as facts," said Dennis Lutterell, former two-term county commissioner. "If we disagree with somebody, we tend to demonize them. We need to agree to disagree, and perhaps learn something in the process." With this first meeting of Braver Angels, the idea was to highlight the divide. Divisions and prepare for a workshop September twenty-three. Dan Williams, Teller County Commissioner, took a big picture view of the discord over issues that are most likely fleeting. How long are we going to live? He said. Despite the division, 
there are remnants of the Western way of neighbor helping neighbor. When I pull somebody out of a ditch, I don't ask what party they belong to, William said. In the old days, if you had a problem with somebody, a neighbor, you talked to the person. In Woodland Park, there are strong feelings on either side about the current school board, whose members won election by touting their conservative credentials. Teller County is a conservative county. Incumbents Cassie Kimbrell and Mick Bates attended the Braver Angels event. With national news organizations focusing on the divisions over the school board in Woodland Park, word is spreading about trouble in the mountain community. Among the flashpoints are the former and current presidents, District Superintendent Ken Witt, whom students rebelled against in two protests in December, the influence of the teachers' union and the charter school opening in the middle school. Like everywhere in America, there is conflict over national politics and the 2024 election. Today, people are fearful of engaging in discourse that might be uncivil, Sample said. Yet, the divisiveness boils over in various ways. For instance, Sample reported overhearing a little old lady tell a gas station attendant that we just need a civil war and kill them all. The meeting, August 29, was intended to be a starting point for Brave Angels in Woodland Park. In roundtable discussions, residents shared their reasons for coming that evening and what they hoped to gain in being part of Braver Angels. Most sought unity, while some cited concerns about the presence of Chairs Bible College in town, while others hoped to learn how to communicate. Still another expressed a desire to understand the values of the other. Due to national news reports about the conflict over the school board, Potential business owners and tourists are calling the Chamber of Commerce to inquire about the divisions within the community, said Debbie Miller, president of the Greater Woodland Park Chamber of Commerce. It's really tough, she said. With this first meeting of Braver Angels, those who attended, at the very least, came with an awareness that something is awry in Woodland Park. The need of civilization is the ability to communicate verbally and writing successfully to exchange ideas, communicate, grow, to listen, share, and learn, Lutterall said. The next article is entitled, Visiting Victor's Troll Includes a Short Scenic Hike, written by Seth Buster. Colorado's first huge wooden troll made its home in Breckenridge, a resort destination that welcomed the attraction in 2018. The state's second troll has recently appeared in a less likely, less busy place. In the mountains west of Colorado Springs, the historic gold camp of Victor was perfect for artist Thomas Dambo's imagination to go wild. The Danish sculptor spent the summer building his next troll close to one of the town's mining head frames from the late 1800s, 
beside an old blacksmith shop. Dambo and volunteers worked here just as pioneers did during the Pikes Peak Gold Rush, amid open, rolling fields and wood and iron structures lending to timeless feel. To be here is to be living in a cowboy movie, Dambo said, also being a little like a gold digger. It's the perfect spot. Say hello to Rita, the 119th member of Dambo's global troll family. She has found atop a scenic perch, moving a pile of rock in search of something shiny. Following Gold Camp District Impact Group's request to Dambo, a once-quiet trailhead has turned pretty busy. Still, we had no problem parking on a recent Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday morning. We started from the Little Grouse Mountain Trailhead detailed on the Impact Group's website. It's a short uphill walk that shouldn't be much trouble for families. Visitors can also drive up the hill, parking at the lot beside the head frame standing for the once mighty American Eagle's Mine. A trail sneaks behind the structure ahead to Rita. You've surely heard about the troll. They tend to go viral in Colorado, but you might not be aware of the sweeping view here. The Sangre de Cristo Range and 14,000-foot collegiate peaks scrape the sky in the distance. The next article is entitled, Mike Sell Expresses Frustration Over Deputy Salaries, written by Pat Hill. Upset about low salaries that have deputies fleeing for other places, along with a lack of applications, Teller County Sheriff Jason Mike Sell's emotions vary from frustration to resolve. One of my deputies lost his home and another faced eviction from the home he was renting because they can't make it up here, Mike Sell said. Teller County officers earn 40% below market value, he said. How can anyone work here, he said. We are constantly dealing with turnover. Mike Sell is dedicated to seeking fair compensation for his deputies. The issues are many, starting with a salary gap that widens each year. Mike Sell blames the gap on the former commissioners who allowed the salary deficit to continue. It's the same argument all over again, he said. That gap creates another 5 to 6% a year. With 106 on staff, Mike Sell says the department is short 20 to 25 deputies. However, the sheriff did score a 20% raise for his deputies from the former board. I was happy to get that, but the raise still put salaries at 40% below market rate in 2017, he said. Rather than competitively compensate his staff, the former officials were looking to compress the budget even further in what they called compression adjustment, Mike Sal said. The sheriff scorns the county's previous compensation studies touted as fiscal responsibility. Does fiscal responsibility mean we stiff the employees, he said? That's kind of where it is. In part, 
Mike Sell faults the county's adoption of the scooping process as a means of reserving money. When I don't fill a position, the county would then scoop money from vacant positions and put it in the general fund, he said. With fewer employees, the vacancies lead to more scooping dollars for the general fund, Mike Sell said. So the county can scoop more every year to put into things they want to put it into, he said. The problem is public safety and our roads. We're so busy scooping all these dollars that we're not serving the community because of that. If things weren't bad enough, the pandemic hit and a police officer in Minneapolis was convicted of murdering George Floyd in May 2020. So, then all the anti-police rhetoric started, and now there are fewer police officers nationwide and in Colorado, he said. And we weren't getting applications because our pay was so poor. We can't get certified deputies to apply. Along with salaries, the high cost of living, and the gap in employment, Mike Sell is riled up about the state's new laws, particularly the one about qualified immunity. Mike Sell blames the legislature's Democratic majority for the law that allows officers to be sued individually with a cap of up to $25,000. That law alone, he said, is keeping some potential officers from working in law enforcement. As a result, there are fewer deputies to patrol the community. With our increasing population, we can't get enough bodies to cover the issues we're seeing, he said. Under the previous sheriff, the office had constant complaints and lawsuits, Mike Sell said. People didn't respect the agency, a serious issue for us. Today, things are calmer. That has all changed, he said. I've got people more highly trained than anywhere else in the state. We approach crime totally differently. We just brought humanity back into what we do. But the problem is that it's harder for deputies to live where they work. During COVID-19, my deputies had to work around the clock, he said. We still had to go out in public regardless of whether everybody was home or not. There's no such thing as working from home as a deputy. And there is an increase in violence. Since the first part of the year, we've had two homicides, he said. Yet Mike Sell praises the current board of county commissioners. They have identified the issues, he said. That's the hardest thing to understand, that we've got to pay our police. The cost of paying a deputy includes the training costs. If I train a deputy who leaves in six months, it costs the county $40,000 that we're just throwing away, Mike Sell said. To encourage competition, the commissioners launched a salary survey. Law enforcement has some unique pressures and training qualifications, and we have taken a hard look at what it takes to keep them working here, said Commissioner Dan Williams. Yet there is a reality check involved. To be clear, we have a limited tax base, and service to our community is our number one priority, Williams said. Our residents are challenged financially, but we believe we can do better. We anticipate an announcement in a few weeks. Teller County Human Resources
for the county's Human Resources Department, there is a twist to the hiring dilemma faced by the sheriff and the directors of other departments. Housing is a challenge for everyone because of the economy, said Ivy Morris, Director of Human Services. On the other hand, not everybody has the qualifications to work in Teller County. We are struggling to recruit POST, which stands for Peace Officer Standards and Training, certified deputies, Morris said. Recently, the county broadened the definition of first responders. We consider our first responders to be our snowplow drivers for public works who require a commercial driver's license, Morris said. So it's difficult to find people within our county who have a CDL. Like the sheriff's office, the public works department is short-staffed. Our public works team is up at 2 a.m. to plow the roads at dawn, and despite shortages, has been working nonstop to keep up with the roads and culverts after an extremely wet summer, said Commissioner Dan Williams. In the Human Services Department, many of the applicants lack the skills needed to be case managers. When things happen within the community, case managers have to be on scene to help with the families, Morris said. Some employees of the county's public health department classify as first responders. When we have a pandemic or an outbreak of some kind, they have to be on scene, Morris said. The goal of the salary survey is to attract and retain employees for 20 to 30 years, Williams said. Also important, especially for law enforcement, first responders, and the public works team, is that they can afford to live in Teller County. Being a part of our community fosters trust and a better understanding of who we are, he said. The next article is entitled, Gateway's New Sidewalk Has Interesting Backstory, written by Doug Fitzgerald. When parents dropped their kids off at Gateway Elementary at the beginning of the school year, most likely noticed the new sidewalk in front of the parking lot. The sidewalk makes sense. It helps funnel students to the designated crosswalk, reducing a dangerous situation where they would often cross through the traffic pattern. They have full-time librarian and part-time traffic guard, Lori Paget to thank for the new, safer setup. Through her, years of monit- through her years of morning and afternoon crossing guard duty, Paget recognized the hazards and inconveniences that students and families faced, which helped her form an idea to have the sidewalk installed. She presented the proposal while chatting with Board Vice President David Illingworth. Illingworth recognized her insight and appreciated her concern for student safety. Illingworth embraced the idea and worked with the Woodland Park School District administration to turn her vision into a reality. Within three months, the new sidewalk was completed. I was beyond thrilled to return to work this August and find a sidewalk installed in front of the parking lot, Paget said. The parking lot situation was not conducive to pedestrian safety, but the new sidewalk will allow students and parents to safely 
get from their cars to the school. Just like that, a hazard was eliminated and a new safer pedestrian traffic pattern was established. Thank you, Mr. Illingworth and Mr. Witt, for listening to my concerns, Paget said. I've seen many scary situations over the past 20 years. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.